This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Our leader will now share for a complete hour. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Tonight's leader is Linda. Hi, everybody. My name is Linda, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Linda. If we could have a moment of silence for those still suffering in and out of these rooms. Thank you. Happy New Year. (laughs) Uh, A word, a quick word to the newcomers. Um, I need to tell you that I uh, have a lot of battle scars and uh, it's because, in a nutshell, I didn't believe that uh, when the battle ends, the battle ends if I stop fighting. So, mm-hmm. in case I get swallowed by a sinkhole, you've heard my best stuff. <laughs> um, okay, I'll start with uh, some stats here. Um, I Oh, and if I forget uh, later, uh, if you want to grab a sheet up here, there's some papers and card up here, feel free to take it on your way out after the meeting. I had two years of honest absence on uh, New Year's Eve. And I say honest because, thank you, thank you God. Um, I say honest because dishonesty was my number one character defect. I lied by omission about my food to every sponsor I ever had, except my current sponsor. And now I tell, because a part of growing up in program for me was learning to tell the truth. And telling, after all, is just one food addicts sharing, you know, they're admitting powerlessness to another food addict. Uh, lying discolored my recovery for about 23 years. Um, and I initially lost 108 pounds, and then I've settled at 100-pound weight loss. Thank you, God. I abstained from sugar, all flour, artificial sweetener, um, spontaneous eating, and perfection. Uh, for two years, I, I said that for a reason, because for two years I felt like a failure because I kept falling off this uh, strict plan that I had chosen for myself, and um, I've decided that a food plan, a food, my food plan has to be a plan I can live with, and um, I was thinking, you know, a person might come in wanting to lose a lot of weight, and maybe their salvation is the fact they can live with a food plan where they can have three large meals with nothing in between. I mean, what a miracle to stop eating between meals. It's a great place to start as far as I'm concerned. Somebody else is really nervous without a weight-measured, highly structured food plan. And for them, eating too much absent food is losing their abstinence. Eating something off their food plan is losing their abstinence. And um, for me right now, I kind of... That type of plan requires me to, in my mind, requires me to be perfect. And, of course, it's just a case of different realities. My experiences um, tweak my perception so that that's just the way I see that type of plan. That can change. Food plans keep changing. But I will tell you that having a food plan or not having a food plan, I have to have one. It's not an option. And it's a necessary parameter for me. and the old fail to plan, plan to fail is 100% true for me. Um, the only way I can lose my abstinence is if I eat my alcoholic foods, if I take any alcoholic food back. And that is because I believe the big book now. Quote, unquote, 
the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. That right there is my cork in the bottle. Okay. Yes, this is laminated, those of you who know me. Uh, but <laughs> reservations from the big book, okay? If we are planning to stop compulsively overeating, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to our alcoholic foods and substances. Um, I won't have time to probably mention anything about childhood, and that's fine, because I want to talk about being in my disease at my top weight. And I don't say anything with contempt, only compassion for myself. Um, the good news, at my top weight, 212, I was, out of, I was at a place of dis-ease with myself. I was in total shock, total shock, that I could let myself get that heavy. I had severe dry skin, eye inflammation, gut problems, pain in my arches, heels, lower back, shortness of breath, hair loss, lack of concern for appearance, femininity, sexuality, and anger at anything and everything. Now for the bad news. <laughs> One word, actually. Hopelessness. Very painful for me. Hopelessness. I have two chronic pain areas in my life, and I have never lost hope with them. You give me a teaspoon of sugar, and I'm down in the depths of despair. It takes away all hope from me. Always has, always will. The candle was out for a while in my thinking at my top weight. I believe that ego self that said that was my destiny. My spiritual side wasn't telling me that. God, in fact, wasn't telling me anything. He was patiently waiting for me to experience the gift of hopelessness, the gift of desperation, the gift of hitting rock bottom, so that I could do what the big book talks about and I could have a change of heart. I can't, my brains don't mean anything in this pro. I, you know, got to come down here. I've got to embrace it make a psychic change, and then I have to... <laughs> For the tape, I'm holding the surrender flag. Okay. Uh, I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1985, and until my current abstinence, I was a periodic. Periodically, I was absent for 23 years in program. Relapse. Step seven says humility is the number one defense against relapse. Relapse means different things to different people. For me, it meant two to three weeks, nonstop binging, 24-7, till the money ran out or my body was shot, and then I would go back, I would be abstinent for several months. Uh, I might add an abstinence that smacked of a diet because I was subconsciously headed back toward the food, and I wasn't grateful and I hadn't surrendered. Uh, now, I know the pain of relapse, okay? But I gotta say that part of relapse was damn comfortable for me because I had my food, okay? I had my food. Uh, it reminds me of that joke about insanity. I don't suffer from insanity. I enjoy every minute of it. Um, but anyway, and in relapse, I got relief from the voices. We all know the voice. The food harping and nagging and pestering and teasing and enticing. It's like, oh, Linda, eat already. You know, I mean, it's, it's exhausting hearing all that. So I would take the easy way out. I thought that was easy and I would surrender to the food. <laughs> Somebody said that 
they always looked at the assets of the first bite and not the liabilities. My problems were rooted in step one, two, and three. I admitted I was powerless. I did that before I went to my first OA meeting. But I would not accept my powerlessness because that would mean I'd have to give up control of my food, my life, my will to a power, power greater than myself and I didn't want to. Stomp, stomp, pout, pout. Okay? <laughs> Apparently, the law of surrender is this. The recognition of powerlessness is the basis of surrender. But the act of surrendering comes with total acceptance of that powerlessness. A soldier doesn't wave this old flag until he admits complete defeat. I mean, game over. Now, in 2000, I admitted complete defeat. I was absent for about a year. I lost 75 pounds. It was all about me. And uh, I wasn't grateful for the gift. Uh, I wasn't done lying yet. And I didn't rely on a higher power. I knew from teabag spirituality, you know, where you're in your hot water and you call on your higher power. Uh, but, and then in 2008, two years ago, I admitted complete defeat. Um, and the very next day, I was relieved of the obsession. But there was a whole lot, went a lot deeper, and I had been working really, really hard for about six months on self-esteem issues, low self-esteem issues. And I had grown in unconditional love for myself, just a little bit, just enough, I wasn't Mother Teresa, just enough that I believed what God had been telling me all along, that I was a perfect child of God, I was worthy, and the D word used to stick in my throat, I was deserving, I was worthy and I was deserving of my higher power's abundance. I feel I was put here with needs so that those needs could be filled. And, you know, I'm thirsty, here's water, I'm lonely, here friends, I'm addicted to food, here's abstinence. My higher power doesn't withhold his abundance from me. But, boy, howdy, can I get in the way of it? Um, I, uh, I had a sponsor years ago, Palo Alto, that uh, I was doing step work at her house after a meeting. She pulled out a box and she said, Linda, you know, you put the pen on top of the box, you know, and it's really, it's going to fall off real easy and everything. She said, but you put the pen in the box, it's safe, it's secure, it's not going anywhere, okay? She said, I want you to be in the program of Overeaters Anonymous, not on it where you're really going to be knocked off balance by life's disturbances and so forth. This takes me to classic paragraph. He lived only to drink fourth edition. Then I realized that I had to separate my abstinence from everything else that was going on in my life. No matter what happened or didn't happen, I couldn't eat over it. In fact, none of these things that I, none of the things that I was going through had anything to do with my abstinence. The tides of life flow endlessly for better or worse, both good and bad. And I cannot allow my abstinence to become dependent on these ups and downs of living. This last line is absolutely a killer. Abstinence must live a life of its own, worthy of lamination. Absence must live a life of its own. Got it, Linda? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had the worst time consistently 
separating life from my food. You know, I couldn't imagine. You're asking me to go through my father's death and grieve without the food. You're telling me I'm supposed to celebrate and not eat. It's like... (laughs) And uh, nowhere, nowhere in the literature does it tell Linda how to live life on life's terms with a Twinkie sticking out of every orifice. (laughs) You might want to get a visual on (laughs) After a meeting at Burlingame several years ago, this guy comes up, he heard me whining, I guess, or something. He came up and told me one of the hardest things I ever heard in program. He said, Linda, see, the thing is, there, there really are no reasons to compulsively overeat. There's just excuses. You know, I was very polite. Of course, inside I was thinking, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, because I have a big fat butt, okay? (laughs) So I was polite, I listened, I went home, I got a doll out and I stuck pins in it. You know, it's like, whoop. I uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, (laughs) And uh, because I had a PhD in excuses, see, so it was not something I wanted to hear. so-and-so criticized me. <laughs> I want my food. <laughs> Lula Bell is prettier and smarter and richer, and she has bigger boobs than me. <laughs> I want my food. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this crap. <laughs> but my personal fave, though, he never called. <laughs> I want my food. No, Linda, he ain't going to call because you're too busy sitting on the... Bobby. <laughs> yes, sir, <Marie> Bobby. <laughs> okay, we got it all here, folks. <laughs> okay, here we go, Kitty Pot. Yay! See, it's decorated beautifully because it is my favorite seat in the house. <laughs> so, excuse me, dear. Um, and when I'm sitting on the pity pot. I turn into, I'll be with you in a minute. I turn into the evil Queen Baby. Yes, Queen Baby. (laughs) AA talks about King Baby, well, Queen Baby right here, okay? With my magic wish wand. Because when I'm sitting on the pity pot, I usually have the same wish. See if this resonates with you. I wish I was dead. (laughs) Then they'd be sorry. That was my problem. Uh, anyway, I uh, the pity pot is stinking thinking, and there was a, the speaker last week was talking about it, and uh, he was he was saying that it's you know it's all about poor me. So together now, pour me, pour me, pour me another milkshake, okay? <laughs> and to compliment the pity pot, I of course brought this because I use this a lot. I still use it. My sponsor's always telling me to stop beating up on myself. See, the Giants think they know what to do with this. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Uh, I'm an expert. Um, but the thing is that it's, it's all stinking thinking, and my disease has taught me that no one can really hurt me. That's my job. Stinking thinking hurts me. It leads to eating. Thinking leads to eating. And... I would say things like, fat is my destiny. I might as well keep eating. 
Bam, bam, bam. I'll never get absent in Overeaters Anonymous. Bam, bam, bam. And the cruelest thing, and I said it to myself a lot, I wonder how long I'll stay absent this time. Bam, bam, bam. In absence, I'm working continually. I'm continuing. It's going to be a lifelong plan. I'm continuing to love myself unconditionally, wrinkles and all, so that I can be happy, joyous, and free. And that's a phrase that used to bug me. I thought I'd get cavities saying it. (laughs) I want it now. I'm real greedy. I've been absent, and I want it. I want to be happy, joyous, and free and continue down that path. Somebody said something really chilling. This business with unconditional love. They said it's far more agonizing to live unloved by myself than by other people. So crucial to putting down the bad is forgiveness. I was at a service where I was singing a verse that said, dare to forgive. I mean, dare to forgive. You know, dare is courage, principle step four. Um, Forgiveness, uh, to cease to feel resentment against another. The more I forgive myself for the wreckage of my fast, it's amazing how it's so much easier to forgive you guys. Um, So anyway, to sum up my experience, strength and hope, my experience on OA was to escape only to postpone because whether I like it or not, this disease is damn progressive. And it will not be ignored. It will possess me. It will demoralize me. It will win if I tangle with it. And I must not have any illusions about who is in charge when I'm in the food. Okay. Um, My strength is my great friend, capital G, capital F, because uh, lack of power is my dilemma. Somebody said, I can be God or I can believe in God. Mm. Uh, My strength is also, which I mentioned before, accepting my powerlessness. And what supports my strength is 55 years of research. Uh, From the age of 6 to 61, I tried controlled eating. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I can't do it. Can't do it. And my hope comes from living absently in step 3 and 11. And in lieu of my track record, I can understand people being skeptical at night about the maintenance of my recovery. I'll pull a Dr. Bob. If I continue to trust God, clean house, work with others, if I continue to stay in the now, my sponsor is always having to get me to stay in the now. So I want to get back to the guilty past or I want to get to the fearful future. Linda, stay in the now, stay in the now. And if I continue to remember any struggle with food, little or big, is first and foremost between me and my higher power. Any conflict with another person is first and foremost between me and my higher power. If I remember that gratitude is a way of life, gorgeous gratitude, it's gorgeous. It's like I can't be negative and grateful at the same time. So I just like to call it gorgeous gratitude. And if I have continued to not have any reservations about my alcoholic foods that I'm allergic to, I will maintain an abstinent recovery for these 24 hours. Thank you, God. So, uh, yes, hang in there, not quite. Yes, the monkey's off my back. 
And uh, because the old joke, you know, because cir- but the circus is still in town. <laughs> the reason that I keep coming back is because the circus is always going to be in town. She's way too cute to be my disease, I realize that. But uh, you notice I didn't send any fat pictures around because I run like the wind when somebody gets a camera. So, but I, I saw her and I thought, you know, her pregnant profile, I really resonated with it. So you can see the way I used to look. There she is. Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, she also has a banana in her tail, my favorite fruits I had to have. But uh, I just thought in closing that it might be fun just to, in the new year, kicking off the new year, be to feel the power in this room. You know, we all have a different idea of the, our ultimate power. I had a Swansea once that um, her higher power was an empty peanut butter jar. And uh, it... Uh, and... I don't know quite how it worked for her, but the last time I saw her, she'd been absent for a long time. Uh, so anyway, I thought maybe at the count of three, we could just all yell out the short version of steps one, two, and three. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. I mean, is that okay with everybody? Yeah. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. Yay. Thank you very much.